30 seconds has begun. Chair, staff is ready when you are. Good evening, and welcome to the June 7th, 2023 meeting of the Sacramento Disability Advisory Commission meeting. This meeting is now called to order. Will the clerk please call the roll to establish a quorum? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Kennedy? Here. Commissioner Chand? Present. Commissioner Crespin? Here. Commissioner Kramer? Here. Commissioner Mercer? Here. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd? Here. Commissioner Williams is currently absent. Vice Chair Crowley is currently absent. And Chair McMillan? Present. Thank you. We have quorum. This meeting is also virtual via Zoom. For members of the public who wish to join, please refer to the agenda for the Zoom link. Once you have joined and wish to speak, raise your hand to provide public comment when the chair confirms the public comment speaking period for your desired item. If you're online, click raise your hand at the bottom of the screen. If you're on a mobile app, you can raise your hand by tapping on the raised hand option in the more tab. If you're on a telephone, Please dial star nine, then to unmute or mute, dial star six. Speakers will be called on by the last four digits of their phone number. You'll have two minutes to speak once you are called upon. We'll now proceed with today's meeting. Please rise for the land acknowledgement. To the original people of this land, the Nisi Naan people, the Southern Maidu, Valley and Plains Miwok, the Putwin Wintun peoples, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe. May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today in the act of practice of acknowledgement and appreciation for Sacramento's indigenous people's history, contributions, and lives. Thank you. Commissioner Crespin, will you lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, Our first business today is approval of the consent calendar. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on the consent calendar? Thank you, Chair. 
I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Yeah. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak on this? Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Yes, I um, have a couple of comments to make in regards to the follow-up log. <clears throat> I was contacted by a constituent seeking an update on the meeting accessibility and city website accessibility topics, and I was wondering if those um, have been calendared yet for 2023. Uh, <clears throat> they have not. Um, I actually have them marked to be removed. Uh, I believe the city website's complete and has been, uh, it's gone live. I'm not sure if there's specific questions about that. And also meeting accessibility. I know those the issues with the remote meetings and now that we're back to in-person. Um, the concerns around meeting accessibility were not just um, with remote. Um, they had to do with accessibility in um, person and also the live stream not being uh, captioned in meeting. I, my understanding was the last report we got from the city clerk was that they would be hiring a consultant to evaluate and make recommendations and that that would be reported back to us. I don't see any uh, visible changes to the website and there's still a disclaimer that they are working on accessibility. Um, so I would be curious as to what those um, accessibility features are. So I do believe that that um, follow-up should also come back to the DAC. And then also, um, I noticed that the Golden One Center uh, dropped off the log after the February um, 2023 update, and I believe it should still be on the log as it's not a resolved issue at this time. That it, I know it's still being worked on, but I think the DAC, um, having driven that conversation, should continue to have it on its follow-up log for um, updates as progress is made. So those would be my comments, Chair. I, I do think that um, the way they're being viewed by the city, back to me, is we've given, you know, our role as the advisory commission, we've given our advice, and that's it. You know, what they do with it after that, there is no, there is, they don't have to get back to us, right? It doesn't mean we can't keep asking the question, but we advise that they're not answerable to us. I think that on the website, um, you know, I think we, we should at least once a year have an update from the uh, city's IT department on their stuff. Um, but that, that's the message that's been given to me, that, okay, we've, got, we've taken your advice. Um, some th it would be nice to know what they do with the advice. Well, uh, I mean, I would defer back to those meetings where those reports were made and that when we were told that they would follow up with us. So, um. yeah, again, again, I think the city thinks they have followed up on it. They just haven't followed it back up with. They haven't come back to this commission, but we. Commissioner Mercer? Yes, I too would like to make sure that that Golden One um, issue stays because I do think that 
we need to go over and, and have that because it is still a live issue. Um, I will uh, I will discuss this with Josh for the next meeting, getting the follow-up log updated. Unless you have some answer now, Josh. Uh, <clears throat> no, all I can say is that this is a consent item. Um, if you'd like to vote on it separately, I think our normal procedure is to pull it off and then vote separate on that. So we could, at the at the commissioner comment section, bring these things up as items to be added. Yeah, back or, to or that's correct. Or we could re-add them. Okay. Well, okay. Let's let's bring that up at that time and get them re-added. So the consent calendar as it is. Uh, Alice, you have another comment. I was going to go over and make a motion that the consent calendar be approved as amended to go over. Um, no. I, I believe we we move the consent calendar as it is. Um, I think that's the that the that's the order of process. Um, and if I can get a motion for that, we can we can move it as is. We can't. Change it at this point. We'll change it later. Commissioner comments. What you can do is you can pull it off consent for a separate vote, yeah. if you want to do that. And I apologize. Amend it. Yeah, that was the the sense of my motion was that we pull it out and um, consent to the rest of it. Okay, so if we pull it out and vote on it, we. we we could pull it out and then vote on the remaining item on the consent calendar, and then you can gotcha. take that up. All right. So let's pull the consent, the follow-up log out, consent calendar on the minutes from the last meeting. Can I get a motion to approve the minutes from the last meeting? Aye. Motion to approve. Commissioner Chan, can I get a second? Commissioner Crespin, second. Crespin, second. Can we take a vote? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Kennedy? Aye. Commissioner Aye. Chand? Aye. Commissioner Crespin? Aye. Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd? Aye. Commissioner Williams is absent. Vice Chair Crowley? Aye. And Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you. The motion passes. So moving on to the discussion portion of the calendar. Uh, Chair, will you be discussing the Follow-up log first. You want to do that now? I thought we were going to do that in open comments, but we can talk about that now. We're going to vote. Okay, I, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yeah. Can I have a motion? <laughs> well, it's probably going to vote. 
We do have a motion to approve the follow-up follow up log. A motion to, to vote on it. Is it, a, is it a motion to approve as amended? Well, 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 we haven't amended it. Uh, I, I thought thought it was going to be pulled off to be voted on, and it would get some nay votes. amend it. That's why it required a separate vote. So then it requires discussion to what the amendment's going to be, correct? All right, so, so I'll pull it off and let's put it out there for discussion. Um, I think Commissioner Boyd, um, you've made two comments. Uh, Golden One Center. Golden One Center to be placed back on the follow-up blog yep. and that the meeting accessibility and city website accessibility um, Reports that were two items or three. There's three. Yeah, okay. So two of the one and two are currently on the log. I think they should remain on the log, and I'm hoping for follow-up updates from the city staff gotcha. just to keep us informed. Um, I will continue just to add on to my previous comments. Meeting accessibility. It wasn't just an issue of online access which still exists because we are still offering all of our meetings via Zoom and live streaming. The primary concern around that was the um, lack of um, appropriate captioning, but I believe that the city clerk said that the um, city would be engaging a consultant to also look at the in-person meeting space. Um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Commissioner Crowley raised some concerns around uh, resuming meeting in, meetings in person and accessibility. And then with the city website, I've been on the city website, the disclaimer that they're working on making it accessible is still there. Um, the last communication I got from <clears throat> the IT team working on that was in February 23, and they were um, uh, engaging the public in um, mapping the way folks use the website. Uh, so I am surprised that it that a brand new website's already launched, but I think um, a presentation on the accessibility features would be warranted if that work is complete. And then finally, the Golden One Center, we did receive a report in February, but that is still uh, an open issue that I know city staff is working on. And I would like to receive an update on that as it progresses. So, and I am open to, you know, the chair's suggestion of quarterly updates or whatever whatever that looks like but oh I, we get them on the log we should get updates on them and you know my plan was at least every year to get an IT update an HR update you know throughout the year and if they're not scheduled they need to be scheduled um, also on the accessibility one it was physical accessibility to this room we had a challenge at the last meeting with someone correct our first, me our very first meeting, and yeah. I wasn't here last month, but I know our very first meeting, we had an access issue. <clears throat> so I have um, three items to to add back, uh, Commissioner Crowley. I wanted to continue the discussion a moment regarding the presentation that was made from a consultant at our last meeting, and so uh, I think it's advise that as commissioners that we revisit that presentation uh, 
and reconvene on this topic before voting so that all of us have access to what that presentation was about since it addressed some of our concerns as a DAC and it showed active progress being made. Um, but the time frame of that was not at the consultant's discretion. So before we get too involved in what we're seeking, since it is an active item for the city with consulting, and we were approached with that report from the consultant in anticipation of our input to be received, um, my discussion to the commissioners is perhaps we need to identify first from staff what the timeline is of the follow-up of that presentation that then would give us some sort of uh, direction on how how to narrow our addition of similar topics onto the log. And so I'm, I'm leaning towards whether or not we shouldn't table our discussion for next meeting so that staff can report on that consultant's timeline. That's my initial thought from so the last meeting. we're talking about the follow-up log right now. Is that something you're suggesting we get added to the follow-up log? I'm saying that it's uh, in relation to the follow-up log and the three items that Commissioner Boyd just mentioned. The consultant presented on some of the items that these three are addressing, but it was so dense of a consultative uh, report that we left that meeting having the consultant simply say the timeline of when input is going to be received from the commissioner on Commissioner Boyd's points are in the context of that consultant report that was presented. So it may be that we can narrow what to add to the log and we, uh, I'm discussing that we decide if we can't table it so that staff has a chance to find out the time frame that we then are given the opportunity to provide that feedback. And so it, the log item is not just three, it's under this accessibility and communications tab that the consultant presented on. So in, 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 a, in an effort to keep the log efficient and on target to what is already being worked on, perhaps uh, there's a little bit more detail that we need from staff to give us in terms of timeline and then we can properly add it to the log so that the three items that Commissioner Boyd has mentioned are not uh, adding complexity to a recommendation that was already presented on at the last one of the last two meetings. So it's not an, I want to be as clear as I can. I'm not saying we do not take the three comments into consideration. I'm saying they've been considered. We had a presentation. But what was outstanding is that consultant's presentation did not provide the timeline from which we can add our log appropriately. So I'm, I'm recommending that we uh, table this discussion until the next meeting so that we can have a better idea of how the consultant's timeline applies to applying these three points to the log. Thank you. Commissioner Kennedy. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, perhaps clarify um, the discussion around Golden One. I know we've said Golden One a, a few times now, and Commissioner Boyd has uh, gone above and beyond in making sure that the the handicap access, I believe, is located off J and Fifth, J and Fifth there, J and Fourth, um, you know, which was being used unfortunately as a valet valet for the nearby hotel, that it remain open for people 
for people who need it for handicapped parking. And you know, just perhaps to clarify that going forward, if it's going to remain, it's going to remain on our follow-up log. That's what we're following up on to make sure that that uh, that space is accessible. Commissioner Boyd, Tucson Boyd. Uh, Commissioner Kennedy, the the last report was that the city staff was working with the Kings to revisit, I believe, not just the existing location, but um, the pathway to the arena and whether um, what is currently in place is the most accessible uh, route. So uh, that, to clarify that question, I believe um, Commissioner or Vice Chair Crowley, you're referring to the language access policy report from last month, the consultant report. So we had um, not the not the language access particularly. There was discussion with one of the consultants for an opportunity for the city to come back to the commission after that report was made. Which report? I have to go back to the minutes. So I, I'll defer back to the minutes on it. Um, what was the topic? Accessibility uh, for the city departments for uh, making recommendations for policy and procedures and how the commission can advise better to the city for oh, the all, ADA committee. all related to accessibility. So there's a very broad report given. And so what, what I, again, I have to look back to whether it was last meeting or the meeting before, but where we left that meeting was because the consultant was simply giving one-way directional information, it was determined that the consultant would go back to the city in committee, determine the timeline of when our input could then be received uh, but it was an informational type presentation. So um, to hold our log accountable with value, I'm suggesting we, as a group, look back on those notes uh, and give the staff a chance to follow up with that informational presentation because it pertained to the broader strokes of, of policy procedure and how the city is approaching accessibility as a goal and then at the next meeting uh, get into if our log items are better reflected now that we have more information as a, as a group. Okay, I don't recall the presentation that you're referring to, so. Is there anybody else that has an item that would like to uh, talk about adding back to the uh, Follow-up log. Um, the last point, um, this golden one has been going on for a long time, and I can't recall a meeting where we didn't bring up the golden one center. Uh, the last uh, feedback to us was um, this is, some of it's uh, dictated by uh, the NBA and the Department of Homeland Security and there was not a lot more that the city felt they could do about it. Um, you know, and us as an advisory commission, we can give advice and advice and advice. We're not an activist group. We're an advisory group, and all they can do is take our advice. Um, and I don't know that um, 
I'm, I'm happy to have it back on the log and I'm happy to keep talking about it. But at some point, I th the city's probably going to stop responding to us on that and just say, we've got it. And I know later on we'll probably have some discussion about the role of the ADA coordinator, I believe. Okay. So can I get a motion to add these three items to the to the log and, and approve an amended log with these three items. Sorry, I'll make a motion to add those three items to the log. Okay. Have a second, please. I make a motion to second. Thank you. Could we have a vote, please? Thank you, Chair. Commissioner Kennedy? Aye. Commissioner Chand? Aye. Commissioner Crespin? Or Crispin? Aye. My apologies. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Kramer? Aye. Commissioner Mercer? Aye. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd? Aye. Commissioner Williams? is absent. Vice Chair Crowley? I'll abstain. And Chair McMillan? Aye. Thank you, the motion passes. Thank you, great discussion. Um, now we'll get on to the, the discussion calendar. Um, have a presentation of public review on the 2040 General Plan and Climate Action Adaption. The Community Development Department and uh, am the deputy project manager for the general plan update. With me tonight is Remy Mendoza, senior planner and the project manager for the general plan. Joining us virtually is Vic Randall, senior planner and the project manager of the climate action and adaptation plan. Um, we will all be available for questions at the end of this presentation. So today our presentation is about a significant multi-year planning project called Sacramento 2040. It includes an update for two important planning documents, the city's general plan and the climate action and adaptation plan. Beginning on April 28th, the draft plans for both documents became available for public review. We're excited to share them with you today and to highlight key aspects of the plans for this commission. We'll start the presentation with some background, an overview of the project, then focus in on some of the key actions uh, presented by both plans. Finally, we'll talk about how we are collecting public input for these draft documents and the next steps prior to adoption of the plans in early 2024. So what is Sacramento 2040? A minute ago, I mentioned that the Sacramento 2040 project includes the general plan and the climate action and adaptation plan. 
The general plan is a document that is required by state law. It is the city's long-term 20-year vision or blueprint for urban development and preservation in the city. The Climate Action Adaptation Plan is a document that positions the city to reduce greenhouse gas emissions while adapting to projected climate change impacts. It also sets ambitious targets and identifies key strategies and actions to achieve carbon neutrality by 2045. Sacramento 2040 also includes a Master Environmental Impact Report, which analyzes the environmental effects and impacts that arise from implementing these plans. This document is currently under development and we expect it will be available in the fall. Why are we updating these plans right now? First, it's been over 10 years since we've done a comprehensive update. Second, Sacramento is one of the fastest growing cities in California. By 2040, our city is projected to grow by 69,000 new housing units and 77,000 new jobs. We wanna make sure that we are planning accordingly and growing responsibly. Third, this is an opportunity to address new and emerging issues, trends, and opportunities, such as how to address effects of climate change. This pyramid depicts the general plan in relation to other planning tools and documents. At the top of the pyramid is the general plan, which serves as an overarching umbrella document for other plans and codes. The general plan is more long-term and more general. All other plans, ordinances, and codes must be consistent with the general plan. This includes some parallel efforts underway, such as the Parks Plan 2040. Oops, too far. We are now in the early stages of phase four, which includes the refinement of our draft documents. These documents were informed by lots of input in phases one and two, where we heard from thousands of community members. From this input, we developed a vision and set of guiding principles that was adopted by council in 2019, then 10 key strategies that were adopted by council in 2021. Since then, we've been working in phase three. We've been working diligently for the last two years, writing and refining these policies, working across departments and doing our best to make sure these documents incorporate best practices and reflect the community's vision. Now in phase four, we are taking the draft documents back to the community to make sure we've got it right. The general plan document is organized into four parts. Part one includes the introduction, as well as the sustainability and equity chapter, which underscores our efforts to weave sustainability and equity throughout the general plan, and also includes indicators to help track our progress towards a more equitable and sustainable city. Part two is the heart of the general plan. It contains the goals, policies, and implementing actions that will guide development in the city over a 20-year planning horizon. It includes eight elements, including the youth parks, recreation and open space element, mobility element, and environmental justice element, just to name a few. Part three includes 10 community plans and special study areas. The community plans include additional community-specific policies that complement the citywide policies found in part two. Part four is about administration and implementation of the general plan. 
A large portion of this part includes the implementation table, which lists all of the implementing actions in the general plan. Finally, we have a set of appendices at the end, which includes the adopted vision and guiding principles, glossary, and photo credits. The Climate Action and Adaptation Plan, or CAP for short, is an accompanying document that complements the general plan and includes a greenhouse gas inventory detailing Sacramento's greenhouse gas emissions by sector. This inventory is the basis for 12 measures and a range of actions to help reduce greenhouse gas emissions to meet 2030 state mandates and reach carbon neutrality by 2045. The CAP also includes a climate change vulnerability assessment that uses data-driven analysis to project the likely effects of climate change in Sacramento with special consideration of how projected impacts will affect the most vulnerable members of our community. Finally, the adaptation chapter of the CAP includes six primary adaptation goals and a range of policies and actions for adapting to the projected impacts of climate change. Now we'll move on to key policies and actions. So the general plan and cap cover a lot of different issues. In this presentation, we highlight some of the bold key actions we are proposing in these plans. Some key general plan policies include expanding housing types throughout the city, incentives to attract infill to corridors and centers, increased development intensity within a quarter mile of transit, prohibiting new drive-through restaurants near transit, limiting the expansion of gas stations unless EV charging is provided, heat reduction in the public realm, neighborhood resilience plans, updating the urban forest plan, in addition to studying the amortization of polluting industries, prioritizing investments in historically disadvantaged neighborhoods, developing healthy food zoning and supporting urban agriculture, high-frequency transit service, prioritizing pedestrians and bicyclists over cars on roadways, expanding broadband access, ensuring that we meet the parkland service standard of five acres per 1,000 residents, and introducing a performance-based system for prioritizing facility investments. Earlier, I mentioned a set of indicators within the sustainability and equity chapter. These indicators are intended to measure our progress toward a more sustainable and equitable future, especially as we implement the general plan. A metric has been identified for each indicator, which will help with annual reporting to decision makers and community members. These indicators include mode share, infill development in corridors and centers, and housing burden. Some key cap actions include increasing the urban tree canopy cover, increasing heat-reducing amenities in parks, increasing carbon sequestration potential, establishing climate-informed infrastructure planning, considering city-owned facilities uh, for dual use as resiliency centers, improving water efficiency, encouraging low-water landscapes, and studying the conversion of sports fields to synthetic turf. So now we'll talk about how community members, including commissioners, can provide input. To collect input, we have put together a self-guided online workshop. To access this workshop, 
simply go to our project website, SOC2040GPU.org. On the project page, you'll see a big button that says Enter Self-Guided Online Workshop. When you click on that button, you'll be taken to the landing page of the online workshop, uh, a screenshot of which is on the screen. There's an introductory video at the beginning, which gives an overview of the process um, and also gives an overview of how to participate in the online workshop. So our workshop is comprised of uh, about a dozen stations. We have condensed about a thousand pages of materials into these stations. Station boards provide an overview of each element of the general plan and the cap, and there is space to provide comments at the bottom of each station board. The full text of each element, if, if you're interested, is also available for review and comment via a link at the end of each station. These station boards are available in English, Mandarin Chinese, and Spanish. Additionally, the PDFs prepared and uploaded to our online workshop platform are compatible with screen readers that would aid hearing or sight-impaired participants of this self-guided online workshop. This workshop will be available online for residents and other participants through August 2023 of this year. So this summer, we'll be doing lots of meetings, coming to commission meetings such as this one. We'll be going to city council as well. We have three orientation webinars scheduled. Uh, we just had the second one this Tuesday. The third one will be in late June. Uh, we're, we are hosting pop-up booths at festivals and markets. Uh, we were at the Filipino Fiesta um, this past Sunday, and we'll be at Pride Festival um, and Celebrate Oak Park this weekend. We've prepared press releases, social media content, email blasts to get the word out throughout the summer. As mentioned earlier in the presentation, we are currently working on the Master Environmental Impact Report, and we expect it will be available in the next few months. Uh, again, the self-guided online workshop is available all summer and will be closing in August. And finally, we expect to take uh, the final plans to City Council for adoption in early 2024. So that concludes our presentation. We will welcome any feedback on process or next steps. And thank you very much. Thank you. Clerk, are there any members of the public who wish to speak on this item? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Okay. Well, um, thank you for the presentation. We received this a little less than a week ago, and 521 pages of the general plan and 592 pages of the climate plan. Um, and I understand you're going through all the commissions and presenting this. Um, you know, we are the Disability Advisory Commission, and, you know, reading it and the history of Sacramento and the diversity, uh, the diversity of our city and the growth that you're projecting means even more diversity. Our, uh, you know, while I don't have anything specific to call out, I know this commission will always be pushing for not just diversity but inclusion, inclusion of our disabled population as we build our plans up that uh, we're building an environment that, that is inclusive for all our fellow disabled citizens. With that, I'll open it up. Um, Commissioner Crowley, Vice Chair Crowley, you're first up. Thank you. I read it. 
um, and it's a lot of work. So as the chair just said, as you're here and presenting to all these different points of view, I have three points to make. One, there's an overarching comment that will always come from our commission in some form, which is inclusion and accessibility mean different things than how you describe those same words in your report. So sensory diversity, developmental delays, the stakeholders that you're missing are having a voice in regional centers and county programs and implementing the public health department, nurses and social workers is a better way to take this massive undertaking to have real inclusion because they are the ones who are most vulnerable. So that's point number one, that as, a, as the public servants responsible to be that voice, to remember that those words are not just the political definitions or the sociological definitions, but they have impact on the actual lives of those with different abilities. So that's point number one. Because without that lens, all this work will always lead to the same comment from a commission like us and from the constituents and their families and those who are feeling disenfranchised. And the reason I mentioned the public health uh, resources is because those who have different, uh, that are differently abled, that are not just homeless, but have uh, incapacities of their mental state, their caregivers and their people who are responsible to speak for them get lost in these generic presentations. So as a commissioner, I'm obligated to share that all the time if I see, especially after I did my homework, that that is missing in the tone of all these pages. So with graciousness, I'm saying, remember that part, right? The second thing is, we're the city of trees. And so what also was missing is the t in not just the tone, so we've addressed that, at least I would like to address that with you all to consider, is that the city of trees and urban planning doesn't involve the neighborhoods. So one way to reach those caregivers of those who are disabled, who are isolated, is to make sure that it's not um, lost upon the easiest access to the community so that the, the nature of everyone's residential address can be reached through the neighborhood associations and those contacts on the city website, which are part of that community development, is missing. These are bigger entities and the word of facility does not mean homeowner or those who live in the city. So that is a flag to me that there is a big picture of those who have the funding to support these goals but you have the homeowners and those who rent from the homeowners that also represent the constituents that we serve. And the neighborhood associations, if they can, through, uh, through the easiest communication, which is from the city website where everyone is listed, to that contact email, there is a nice way that the police department and the next door apps and all of those things that were done before allow for that communication because here we are at June 7th and we have August. So all that means is I have to go back to my constituents and in three weeks figure out how to train them up to a web link and we're still dealing with as homeowners and residents, how do you have access to the web link? 
So that ties in as a corollary to my second point, which is where's the telephone contact? Is, is 311 aware that if the neighborhood association gets together and say, great, let's do this survey so you have the data that it's not just the same people answering the same thing, that those people connected to their communities have a phone number to call because those are the people that need that telephone translation, need the, need the family member present to have their voice heard. And if that's built into the culture of the way that the community is disseminated, these electronic means, they will feel more comfortable since the message up to this point post-pandemic and even during the pandemic was 311. So to maximize how we're communicating that. And then the last point was whenever we talk about um, carbon neutral, I'm going back to the homeowners now because we're talking about the people that live in the city. It's unfortunate that the city hasn't, and I'm not saying it's a, a problem that can't be acknowledged. I'm saying there is a problem, and everyone knows, that we only have one or two arbalists, for example. You know, if we call 311 and, and we want to uh, improve our neighborhood and we have land and we know that our trees are dying, there's one arbalist, there's very limited resources. So uh, reaching out to the forestry adjacent staff and what do they recommend was missing from this report. Because if I call 311 and I have an older property or uh, we hear about in the news that the executive airport has a building that's going to be demoed and I'm giving an example. I don't have the facts or anything, but this is an example in the community discussion. Then all of a sudden, the park that everyone uses to have barbecues on, that's not as interesting to talk to our council member about at our neighborhood meetings than that demolition that's going to happen and let's get ahead of it as a community so we can make that the urban forest. And we need that support. And now this plan is implemented for the new areas instead of the narrative, for example, a few years back, which was uh, midtown business owners are going to promote uh, this uh, promotion of urban forestry and everyone's going to have uh, gardens in their buildings. And that's not how we accomplish it. We accomplish it with the Farm Service Agency, with the foresters, with the arbalists, with those uh, community uh, involvement because who's going to maintain the urban garden that's where the follow-through of a great plan and all this work then becomes uh, inefficient with the use of money that's being spent because we never mobilize the people that live in the neighborhood that we're trying to improve the quality of life that will then lead to carbon neutral so thank you for listening to all of those detailed examples uh, but having read everything I thought it was valuable for me to share in the short time that I had. So thank you. Vice Chair. Commissioner Mercer. Uh, yeah. Um, so looking through Station 7 mobility, I I'm going to suggest something, and I know this is an overview document, and something very detailed, kind of over in the weeds of this, but I think it's a problem that's come up over here at the Commission a number of times, which is valet parking needs to be addressed because it's a problem in this Golden One situation. It's been a problem with the wheelchair van that I traveled with my husband in, in downtown. It's creating gypsy parking spots, which is not going to get you to where you want to be with discouraging single vehicle use 
because of all these uh, valet parking. They have a tendency over even at the parking lots of using whatever space is available, which is uh, handicapped spaces. They're easier to get to. Um, I have experienced this firsthand, and I would suggest that um, this city look at more seriously regulating this particular industry because it's having an impact over in the physically disabled community. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Kramer. Yes, um, hello. Uh, I just wanted to, I read the part about the 2040s plan about wanting to reduce the number of vehicles on, in, in the city by a certain year, but um, I just have a con concerns that like what are the what are you um, the general plans plans to meet the demand of transit for the city's population and how will how will it uh, how will it affect the transit routes for those who who have jobs homes and other places of need that are out of its normal routes? Yeah, thank you for your question, Commissioner. Um, I would say that uh, our goal to reduce VMT and vehicle miles traveled is not to take away that option for people who need it, but also, but more in terms of kind of bolstering our other modes of transportation, which kind of falls in line with our goals to reduce GHG G emissions. Um, so improving transit access, um, connectivity throughout the city. Uh, so it's not to take away the option, but to add additional options. Yes, because I was concerned about that. Like, you know, like, because of how everything is right now, I'm concerned that not not everyone's going to have the have the needs to be able to obtain obtain more environment friendly vehicles or appliances. So Absolutely. we just want to make sure that that, that that there's a plan to to help ease ease into it, or that or to help the community with with those with those obstacles. Absolutely. Thank you, Commissioner. Commissioner Crespin. Thank you, and thank you for your presentation, Ms. Yang. Appreciate that. As you mentioned, everything goes back to the general plan, everything in the city. So I do have a comment and then maybe a recommendation. So again, um, the city is not just a place, obviously, to work and do business. And oftentimes, we think about growth and cities growing. We do have economics in mind, of course. This is also a place where we build community, and so that's kind of my, my comment. Um, a little bit after Commissioner Crawley, one of the things to consider beyond maybe what we might traditionally think of when somebody's living with a disability is safety, uh, so developmental disabilities, spaces that aren't near busy streets. Um, it, it sounds a little bit like dealing, if you think about all the ages and safety for all the ages, it should be covered. Um, but just remembering that there, there are caregivers involved, um, there's different ways that we need to be accessing vehicles, getting in and out of vehicles. We might be using things like with my daughter, she uses a very large trike. So sometimes we control for wheelchairs, we control for other sizes of sidewalks and accessibility to parks, but trikes can be quite heavy, quite large. So just really making sure that the entry points and the exit points of community spaces in particular are really accessible. Smooth sidewalks for shuffling, maybe that's in your 
age-friendly action plan, um, just kind of really brainstorming with, with the group such as our commission to, to make sure that we've considered all aspects, especially in public spaces. Um, also mentioned earlier is a sense of isolation. When there are disabilities, a lot of the reason why the isolation occurs is the accessibility, the design, the planning that goes into spaces, and the safety aspects. So when we design public spaces in particular or we're issuing permits to uh, businesses that are looking to grow in our city, in our community, um, just really considering those aspects as well. So one, um, and I guess an example that I could give is, you know, oftentimes in parks we have separate park benches. It's actually really hard to make a connection as a community in public spaces. It's awkward. Uh, so when we design public spaces, really kind of thinking of how isolated people are today just overall, but especially populations with disabilities, and really encouraging spaces in our community to interact. Um, so that was isolation, safety, and then also, again, on public spaces. Those are places where we can go with no admittance costs. So again, making sure that um, we're thinking about some of our most vulnerable populations. So one suggestion would be in the annual report, just making sure that I, I know that there's an age-friendly action plan that really caught my eye, and if there's a way to maybe even mirror that, it's, it's a similar idea in concept is that um, age-friendly means that there are different levels of experience and awareness and physical abilities at different times in people's lives. So similarly, if, if there is a way to create an action plan for differently abled people um, from head to toe, as has been mentioned several times, that is one recommendation. And then also there is an annual report. Um, again, I've heard here in the commissioners, their comments are, uh, you're gonna hear this from us over and over again, especially when we don't see ourselves in the literature in the designs, in the considerations. So in the annual report, uh, how can we um, be accountable to making sure that we are reporting and self-reporting on how we're doing with accessibility? And that is for people with all kinds of disabilities, all kinds of need access needs, um, developmental needs across the board. So that is my comment, thank you. Sure. Commissioner Two's on board. Thank you. Thank you very much for your report. Um, I'm going to echo a lot of the um, commissioner's comments here. The first thing that stood out to me was um, the reference to equity. And uh, just to make sure that uh, staff understands equity is not just race or socioeconomics or age. Um, it's also the neurodiverse those with low vision, the deaf and hard of hearing, and individuals that uh, face mobility challenges in our city, which the other commissioners have all spoken to. Um, there's a lot of intersectionality as well with those groups and the other individuals that we typically think of when we talk about equity. Inclusion really means integrated. So when we're looking at, say, this meeting room, for example, um, the spaces that are designated for um, maybe an individual that's using a mobility device, they're up at the front of the room. They're not integrated into the seating. Um, so you're expecting an individual to navigate from the door 
down to the front of this meeting space. Um, that's not truly inclusive. Um, that actually sets them apart. Um, so that speaks to the comments that the other commissioners have said. Um, inclusion, integration is more natural, more organic, and it's a different way of thinking. And um, sometimes it's hard to do that, uh, say, if you don't have individuals that face those challenges or have those experiences on your staff that are working on this report. Um, to the valet and parking and streets issue, I know that the city was also looking at um, you know, the food delivery where you pick up Uber Eats and stuff like that. That's also um, impacting handicapped spaces because, again, those are right there up front at restaurants and stores. Um, those are the same challenges. So if somebody like uh, Commissioner Mercer comes in her van and somebody in Uber Eats is just parked there, you know, that um, prevents access for her, uh, the person she's caring for. And then finally, I love that you're doing the festivals and the pop-ups. Um, but as a follow-up to the vice chair's comment, you have a lot of uh, community centers and libraries uh, throughout our city that would be perfect places for um, outreach and opportunities maybe with um, laptops or computers to assist folks in participating in uh, providing valuable feedback uh, moving forward. And then I only had really one question. Do you have a sense from the responses that you did get um, how much of the, of the disability community was represented in those responses? I'm not sure if you had a way to capture that or not. So we've only been collecting responses since late April, so maybe about a month. Um, we're still trickling in. And when they provide a response online, there's no way to self-identify as um, someone with a disability. So unfortunately, we don't currently have a way to capture that online. Do you have a way? To, uh, I haven't obviously responded to the <laughs> to the survey yet, but do you have a way for people to add um, like other comments, like an open field for that? Yeah, there are open fields for that. Yeah, um, and we also have an email address that folks are welcome to contact us at. So, do you ask other identifying questions about race? Uh, no, it's okay. literally just their name, uh, their email address, and their comment. Okay, yeah. thank you. Okay, well, thanks again for the presentation today and coming out. Um, you know, Vice Chair Crowley talked to us, talked to us uh, she mentioned the City of Trees. Well, the Water Tower now says, Welcome to Sacramento, farm to fork capital of the world. We want it to say, Welcome to Sacramento, California's most inclusive city. And I think the, the term integrated that, that, that Commissioner Boyd brought up really is really a better term. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, it's a better term. And uh, from this, this commission, ADA compliance is not enough, right? Uh, we're looking for more than that, and it's truly an integrated environment to um, people. But thank you so much, um, fellow commissioners. Um, I think that this is the first presentation, though, where we've been given an actual tool to give feedback that I can recall. So you've only got till the end of August, but let's get on there and start start um, giving this feedback. And uh, uh, it, it, that's actually nice to have that opportunity. Uh, usually it's just what you get here and 
we hope you took good notes, but now we can actually tailor our, our comments. So please remember what you said and, and do that. So thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good night. Uh, that's a receive and file. No, no vote or movement needed. We have a second discussion item on Franklin Boulevard. Do we have a presentation today? Good evening, commissioners and uh, members of the Disability Advisory Commission. My name is Zuhair Amawi. I'm with the City of Sacramento Public Works, and I have the honor of being the project manager of the Franklin Boulevard Complete Street Project. And I have with me today uh, Leo Rubio and uh, Carlton Allen, who are with Bennett Engineering. The city retained Bennett Engineering to assist with the design and environmental services for the project. Franklin Boulevard is characterized as a diverse mix of commercial uses and is home to 600 businesses and over 150 property owners. The project area covers approximately 1.7 miles on Franklin Boulevard between uh, Sutterville Road and uh, 38th Avenue. Uh, Franklin Boulevard uh, runs north and south direction and is currently a five-lane arterial with a two-way uh, left-turn lane. Preliminary engineering and environmental clear clearance was secured for the entire area of the project. The project for funding purposes was broken up into three phases. Phase one being from Sutterville Road uh, to 19th Avenue is uh, secured with funding for design and construction. Phase two from 19th uh, Avenue to 32nd Avenue is also secured for uh, funding for design and construction. Phase three, uh, we just secured funding for design and we're working on identifying funding for uh, construction. The purpose of this project is to improve pedestrian and bicycle mobility and safety, enhance connectivity, and provide access for all users. In addition, the project will address the lack of trees on Franklin Boulevard, providing shade along the corridor by planting new trees where possible. To uh, achieve the objectives of this project, the five lanes the five travel lanes on Franklin Boulevard will be reduced to three travel lanes. This reduction will allow for the space that we need to provide the improvements for pedestrians, bicycles, and a safe community environment. With this, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Leo to go over a little details on the design aspects and the background of the project. Thank you, Zuhair, and um, thank you, Chair and Commissioners. Let's see here. Okay. All right. So just a little background uh, before we get started. Um, uh, the project has been around for many years in, it's in, in the making, and it started out as a grassroots effort, uh, grassroots idea. The Franklin Business District, uh, the community approached the city wanting a change along Franklin Boulevard. 
they wanted us to, to make the, uh, the corridor safer for, for pedestrians to walk, to shop and eat along the corridor. They wanted shade trees, wider sidewalks, as Suhair mentioned, uh, bike lanes, more crosswalks, and uh, a way to sl slow down traffic if possible. All this while maintaining uh, its cultural identity. Um, the city responded uh, by assisting with grant applications and uh, securing funds for preliminary engineering and public outreach and environmental documentation, as Suhair mentioned, and then later helped to obtain more funding for final design right away in construction. Uh, so I'd like to give credit to the city for helping out this community, um, uh, this diverse community, uh, because it's also my community. I live just around the corner from this project. Um, there was an extensive public outreach and participation program as part of the initial phases of the project. Uh, on multiple occasions, uh, we met with business owners, uh, community members, many organizations, churches, schools. Um, we presented at community events and met many members of, of the general public. Uh, received lots of comments and uh, received lots of support from many uh, folks, including uh, council and, and, uh, um, and many uh, uh, elected officials. And so that really got us to where we are today. Uh, the slide up that you see there shows the limits of the project. It starts um, at the county Sacramento uh, boundary on the, on the top slide there. And it goes north, that's to the south, and it goes north um, through Fruit Ridge Boulevard and ends at Sutterville 12th Avenue intersection. Um, what Suhair mentioned uh, to you earlier, what the phase one and phase two that we're currently working on is what you see in red. And then the yellow line is the phase three uh, project that he um, spoke about. Um, so with this slide, I'm going to just walk you through a few a few pictures. The, um, the one on the on the left, top left, is a uh, the the red line represents Franklin Boulevard, and you see Highway 99 there to the adjacent to it. Um, the the letters represent the different pictures where we, we took them. But so A is really representative of the pavement condition, the lack of bike lanes around, along the corridor, and that's that's consistent throughout. Um, picture C. That represents that the lack of bike lanes uh, throughout the, the project, and it really forces the, the bicycles to uh, ride on the sidewalk, which makes it difficult for the pedestrians to navigate um, throughout. Uh, the aerial photo in the middle represents how um, it's the wide lanes throughout, and uh, it, it encourages speeding, and the lack of traffic con you know controls uh, makes it challenging for pedestrians and uh, folks to cross the street. Um, the rest of the pictures show more bikes on the sidewalk, which again uh, discourages um, or makes it difficult for, for folks to walk. Um, and I've experienced that because I, I walk this corridor all the time. Um, the next slide here on the top left is a picture I took right around the, right around the corner from my house, and it really shows folks with disabilities um, you know, using the facility. There's a lot of older and uh, driveways and ramps throughout the the, and sidewalks that are not ADA compliant. So this project obviously is going to take care of that. Um, the rest of the photos show the lack of trees. As, as Sohair mentioned, that's one of the things we're going to do with this project is in, add trees to the corridor. Uh, this is a very diverse and um, multicultural community. Uh, the slide here shows, obviously, the red is Franklin Boulevard, and the stars represent where a lot of these, a lot of these murals were, were, uh, are, are placed. Um, 
And so um, the artwork has, was made possible through a lot of the efforts through the city, Franklin Business District, and La Familia over the, over the years. Um, the project will increase accessibility to all users, including those with disabilities, so that they can look at the art and artwork and enjoy the, what the community has to offer. The photo on the very oh, the mural at the very bottom was uh, recently completed by a local artist, Karen Chen, and this is actually it's a, a, um, a uh, in something a couple days ago that it, it was completed and it was a ribbon cutting. I think this is in front of the Ethel Phillips School uh, Elementary School. So. Um, the city had a lot to do with this project as well, as well as with the Franklin Biz, uh, Business District. Um, so cool things are happening in the community. Um, this next slide shows just the different uh, popular uh, community destinations that some of you probably have visited um, uh, in, in the little black dots that you see on that red line. And then the three uh, organizations that are really the backbone of the community, La Familia, um, the Franklin Business District and the uh, the Maple Center at the at the southern end. Um, there's multiple events that are held throughout the year. Where they close the road down, and um, and so, like I said, this is a very active community, um, and uh, we're excited to have a project that will help uh, continue these events throughout the the, the next few years. Uh, this is a slide that it's a photo sim that kind of shows what what we're proposing. Uh, the existing conditions there above um, show um, you know, the, the two lanes in each direction, and maybe you can see the, me the uh, median uh, left turn lane. But in order to accomplish all the work that we're proposing, you know, the wider sidewalks, the landscaping, that's where I spoke about, the class four bike lanes with the you know, barrier that separates uh, the vehicles uh, from the bikes and the peds makes it safer. Um, all this is accomplished by only one way, is to get rid of one lane in each direction. So that's what's happening uh, here. There's additional there's drainage improvements um, that we're proposing, some signalized intersection improvements, pedestrian-scale lighting, and also you know, lighting at the intersections. Um, here's an example of what I was referring to. This is 21st Street and Franklin Boulevard. The above slide shows the existing conditions and the bottom uh, portion shows what it could look like once we're, uh, we're done. We're currently at 60% design. But you can see how we're separating the bike lanes and, and the sidewalk from, from vehicles um, through a barrier and adding landscaping where possible. This slide shows also, at, this is the 21st Street intersection. So this is the access to the Ethel Phillips Elementary School. You can see how we're improving the intersections with um, wider bulb outs and allowing, uh, making it safe for shorter distances for pedestrians to cross um, and making it easier for uh, them to do so. This next slide is very similar, 26th Street intersection, but again, it shows um, in, in the light blue color a lot of the landscaping that we're proposing, um, a lot of the wider sidewalks, a lot of the ADA improvements and, and um, driveways that are ADA compliant. Um, my last slide here shows the improvements that we're, that we're um, doing at uh, different intersections, the traffic signal intersections, Sutterville Road, 12th Avenue, Atlas, uh, 21st Street, 21st Avenue, 26th Avenue, and Fruit Ridge. 
ADA improvements uh, include ADA curb ramps, pedestrian uh, push buttons, street lights, pet scale lighting, uh, and so on. And with that, I'll turn it over to Suhair with uh, the schedule. Currently, we're working on the 60% uh, design. Uh, we're moving forward with this. Uh, we have to certify the project for right-of-way acquisition. That, uh, our goal is to complete that by October this year. Once we do that, we can go to the CTC Commission to request allocation for construction funding, which we are targeting the meeting in February next year. Uh, when we get the approval, we can advertise for construction. The bid documents we receive bids uh, in the spring, and then we uh, turn it over to the City Council with a recommendation for approval of a construction contract. In the summer next year, we're hoping to start construction, and uh, this, the duration of construction, will probably not exceed uh, uh, one year to 12 months. And I'll open it up for questions. Do you have any? Well, thank you. thank you again for the presentation. Um, I, too, drive this road probably a couple times a day. Yeah. It's a very dangerous road. It's certainly not conducive for pedestrians and for people with disabilities to be doing this. I'm excited to see this. I, I in fact, witnessed a fatality last year across from Reds Plumbing there at 21st Street because cars go way too fast on the street. So happy to see that as a, as a private citizen. Um, Commissioner Crowley. Thank you. It is exciting for the community to see this development, especially considering the zoo and Land Park and Bel Air and all that stuff that comes up as you head towards um, the interstate. But when you're on the 99 side, um, there's so much activity, and it's such a vibrant community, and the Franklin Boulevard District is so integrated to everything in the community, so I'm aware. And so with that in mind, here's what people are talking about on the street as they know that this is all going to happen, right? It's an exciting time. Can you explain a little bit, when we go eastbound, so where La Familia and the Jim Boys Taco is, and we're heading eastbound off of 99, and it's the same going westbound from the opposite direction, but because all of this work is being done uh, for people that would likely enter um, westbound, I'm sorry, westbound off of 99 onto Fruit Ridge as we head towards all of this, uh, La, La Familia, for example, right? The gym boys that's there, and then you have to get onto Franklin, and, and that's where all this is happening. There, That danger part, is that merge from 99 onto Fruit Ridge as you head onto Franklin. So the word on the street is we get what's happening on Franklin Boulevard, but that intersection of Franklin and Fruit Ridge with people coming off of that yield, it's just a yield sign as people come onto Fruit Ridge. And that's, very, that's where the danger happens because people are speeding off of 99 and then you have to slam on your brakes sometimes or, or all of that sort of thing that happens in, in the community. Is there a relation with the way that Franklin Boulevard's being redesigned and how it's factoring in that part? Because that piece isn't being addressed, but it's still going to impact 
when the pedestrians come to that four-way intersection or when we use that four-way inter intersection in the new design. So the question on the street is, well, this is beautiful, but we're still scared of that intersection coming off of 99 to enjoy the rest of it. Like on the strip, it's great. We're looking forward to it. It's great for everybody. But to get there is still going to be that problem because we would think that with this beautification and accessible um, community development, then people are going to flood that area. So I'm just wondering, what would you say to the community members that are saying, yay for us, but now, but now what about the anticipated traffic issues that are going to come, knowing that fatalities are very common and accidents are very common, and there's a little bit of fear there, trying to say it's pretty, but is it still safe? How, how does the design address some of that coming on to that corner? Is there something to share? Well, let community? me just uh, comment on this, and I'll turn it over to Leo. Right now, Franklin is being used as a commuter. Commuters on 99 are using uh, Franklin as an alternate route to get to Elk Grove, you know? So what we're doing here, we're reducing the travel lanes from five to three, which is one lane in each direction with a center left turn, the two-way left turn. So with that, it'll be a traffic calming device, you know? It will discourage commuters from coming into Franklin and, uh, you know, it will reduce accidents. It will uh, discourage uh, conflict between pedestrians and uh, uh, travel vehicles. And there is a traffic study that is being is under work and is being done on uh, Franklin. And uh, part of the traffic study is how to improve the uh, traffic signals on the inter major intersections on. Franklin, I'll let Leo chime in on that. that. That's a really good question, um, Commissioner. I, I, I take that, that same exit a lot because I, I'm actually a board member of La Familia and I, and I take that to quickly just make that right turn to get in that facility. Um, but I, um, the, the traffic study that, that Suhair mentioned does address that intersection, but Unfortunately, we're not making the improvements back beyond that intersection towards the highway. Um, the models show that we are, you know, going to make that it's going to stay pretty much the way it is. But we're, we're actually trying to improve safety and um, making sure that it doesn't get any worse than it is today. Um, but uh, it, it, it's the constraint really is that if you look at the whole corridor, and if you obviously you travel through the corridor, and you, you most of you know uh, the corridor well. Um, the constraints are really at Fruit Ridge and uh, Sun, uh, Fruit Ridge and Franklin Boulevard, and at Twelfth Avenue. Those are the constraints. So no matter what we do uh, along the corridor, I mean, we're taking the two lanes in the middle out. We're not going to get more or less folks uh, uh, the, the capacity out of those two intersections, right? So, so those are the two constraints, and we're not changing those two constraints. We're keeping them the way they are. What's changing is in the middle, making it easier for folks to, you know, use that middle part, you know, um, and, and through the intersections, making it safer for them to, to use it than, than it is today. But um, something to definitely continue to look at. As May I follow up with just an idea, since you're still in phase three, right, you're securing the funding and there's some communication. I'm just wondering, can, on the corridor, is there a way to influence the 
increased time for the pedestrians to from standard is there enough evidence in the traffic study to increase that time so because what would happen naturally then is that traffic coming on to those two points that you were mentioning on the 12th and the Fruit Ridge side it would it would jam up those cars because if you have so my daughter um, her seamstress is on Franklin and uh, she's petite and she's got cerebral palsy and she's got a wheelchair and she's got the adaptive bike and these are all part of the the festival stuff that we all do and we're always aware that we have to hustle across these major intersections so insofar that the project is still in place if and that there is a traffic study so I'm very excited to know that uh, when you communicate it if the traffic study does yield evidence to show that the there is enough evidence to show that there can be from standard an increase in the traffic time for the pedestrian and those who are disabled to cross it's an increase of time by only a few seconds that impacts the way that when those cars come on by default they're going to have to wait there's going to be a buildup of those cars to allow that wheelchair that pedestrian that elderly person with a cane the person who um, has the caregiver and needs assistance walking and that would then give that um, traffic cue to change the community behavior right. to make things safer. So I just wanted to follow up because with that traffic study, I just wanted to put on record that if there's a way to influence the data to the favor of the pedestrian at those two points, that could also create that um, uh, safer experience for those who are worried about how to enjoy Franklin Boulevard and that corridor and survive the intersection, as it were. I'm being a little dramatic about it, but you see no. my point. I, I get you. Thank you. Excellent suggestion. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yes, as, as everybody is, I'm super excited about this. I just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, I, I, one of the pictures on your slides was LTS1. And what it showed is that there are two pathways that are separated by grass and trees and it looked like the bike path also had a bit of a safety curb as well that's brilliant I love that I did want to bring up from our perspective that when I look at that what I see is I see fast-moving bikes and then I see people walking obviously it's going to be ADA compliant and as we've said that's that's the bare minimum the sidewalk is going to probably be what's used for things that we mentioned in last presentation, things like trikes um, or scooters or things that maybe aren't a traditional wheelchair or a bike or somebody walking. So we want to definitely ask you to kind of consider that that sidewalk is going to be for kind of everybody else but those on a two-wheeled bicycle, right? So that's kind of the first consideration. That sidewalk needs to be very accessible to all ages, all types of um, adaptive equipment that anybody could be using. So please consider that. And then um, finally, again, just to give you some insight in the way that we think, this may be kind of a, a, a bizarre um, thought, but um, often we, when we go out into the community, often people with disabilities may have a shorter stint, a shorter stint of time that they can use to use the community. So what I mean is, um, maybe the um, people won't be walking from home all the way or riding or biking all the way to this new beautiful corridor. It sounds really strange, but is there a place where people could 
drive and park and use the corridor. Because what usually happens, it's all private parking. All the signs will say, can't park here, can't park here. But what um, our community may need in different circumstances is to actually drive in an accessible vehicle up to that beautiful corridor and then be able to use it for a very short period of time. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And uh, uh, some of the elements of our design is to provide on-street parking as well. So Excellent. where it's possible in the area, on the corridor. Great. And you've heard us talk a lot about the Golden One Center, so that on-street parking, again, consider how wide our doors need to open up. Um, consider that if you have a mom caring for multiple children, one that may be um, neuroatypical, so there may be other safety concerns about awareness with the street and things like that, really need to create that safe space for families to to be able to enjoy the corridor because it, it, it is a corridor. It's kind of an isolated stretch. We'll take it. It's beautiful. And we need ways to get there safely, get in and out of vehicles, ironically, to walk so, or, or to ride or, or to scoot or however we're accessing that corridor in a safe way. And again, as I mentioned in the earlier presentation, it's at no cost to the people using it. So it's not an admittance ticket. And we're always looking for places in the community where um, we don't have to conduct a transaction to be able to enjoy it. So thank you. Those are my comments. Thank you. Um, I was remiss in asking if there were any members of the public wishing to speak on this matter. Thank you, Chair. Uh, we have received no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. Thank you very much for being here. This Thank evening. you for having us and giving us this opportunity to receive Thank your you. feedback. Good evening. Have a good night. Uh, the next item, uh, a member comments, questions. Are there any commissioners who wish to speak? Commissioner Mercer. Oh, Commissioner Crowley, you're Hi, I wanted to just update everybody. It was the May 3rd meeting uh, when we were talking earlier. So it was the May 3rd meeting and um, towards the end of the recording is when there was some discussion about how we'll have another opportunity to discuss more details beyond the presentation. So for our next meeting, if people haven't seen the whole recording or weren't here or haven't looked at notes, that it was the May 3rd. Uh, I didn't have that before when we were talking about the log. Commissioner Tuzon Boyd. Thank you. Um, so I think that was the language acts, equity access report and consultant. So yes, would look forward to hearing what the city uh, council decides on that. And I believe they did say it would come back. Um, the uh, city's planning commission is um, reviewing or working on a revision to the city's vehicle and bicycle parking requirements project. And um, in looking at the agenda, um, the staff will um, ask the planning commission for input on who should participate in working groups on um, making those um, revisions to the vehicle and bicycle parking requirements, which I think has come up a couple times during um, today's discussions. Um, on the list is the Disability Advisory Commission. There's several other groups on that list of potential um, participants. So if there's anybody um, on the DAC who is interested 
in that um, particular topic, um, you might consider attending the planning commission meeting and chiming in, <laughs> um, uh, advocating for the DAC to participate in that process. Um, I wanted to share that I um, was contacted by city staff in response to some conversations around um, the uh, wayfinding kiosks, and I had made a comment about um, the accessibility of some um, check-in kiosks that are located here in City Hall. And so staff is working on looking at whether or not those are indeed accessible devices. Um, I'm not sure whether we would get a report back on that, but um, I did want to, you know, share that um, it's Obi, and he was he used to come to the commission meetings more frequently. Um, I did have a question about uh, the status of the recommendations that went to city council and were were approved about uh, the city's. Uh, commissions and committees and advisory boards uh, having the opportunity to make reports and have annual work plans presented to the council's PMPE committee, subcommittee. Um, that presentation was made to us in February 2022, um, and it, at the time the clerk indicated uh, a hope that we would be among the first to participate in that process. In 2022, I believe it was April or May, and now we're a year later. So I'm wondering, um, is that still, you know, the plan? And if so, have we heard when our work plan and reports would go to PMPE? Um, and I'm not sure if that's something that needs to be then um, added to the follow-up log or if that's just a report back from staff. I, I can comment on that one. We have um, been asking that too. We, I'd hope to have the work plan for this meeting. I think we're going to get it for next meeting. Is that the plan right now? Uh, yes, that is the plan. We've just recently, within the last month, uh, received guidance on format and et cetera on what the work plan should look like. Um, <clears throat> it is something that staff will develop and bring to the DAC for review and comment. And then it will, I believe it goes to the PPE committee for approval. Do you think we could have it in advance of our next meeting so we got a chance to read it, or do you think we'll get it at the next meeting? I believe it comes to the next meeting for for review and comment and additions, et cetera. I believe the staff will take the first draft yep. at it to prepare it, and then we can um, modify it as necessary, yeah. Do you, is your understanding that um, representatives from the DAC would also be there as part of the report because it's a work plan and report or is it just a written document that's going to P PMPE and they're just reviewing it? I mean. The way I understand it, it's a written report that goes to the PPE for review and approval. Um, I can follow up on that. I'm sure it's welcome for DAC members to um, join the, you know, attend the committee meeting. I I would um, I remember this conversation pretty well, and it's part of our responsibility to do that report. I think, so I would be surprised if it doesn't. You know, the city will start it. I expect and hope that we have something to do with that plan before it gets submitted. So that that's the, that's what I'm going with, and that's my belief right now. Um, Commissioner Mercer. Okay. P 
Piggybacking over on um, some of the early conversations about um, items being closed and then what you just addressed about our product to getting over to um, that committee. Since I'm new, <laughs> I'm going to ask for some clarification about process on our recommendations. Just, I know you just did a real quick shorthand, but I want to make sure I understand because you have made a statement over about the golden one that the city has gotten back to us. By city, did you mean city staff? And um, just what's going on currently with how, how are we communicating currently with electeds when the staff hits a wall on what they can do based on the constraints that they are under? Yeah, uh, uh, the, I've been here for uh, since 2018, and this has always been something we talk about. Um, and it is, it, it has been a, a point of frustration for this commission as to what, what, why are we here sometimes, right? We're, 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 it kind of feels um, ineffective at, at some point. Um, I think that we've had some good discussions with um, the city clerk over the last six months on what is our role. I, I do believe um, it's, well, it's clear to me that, you know, we are the advisory commission, and like anything else, we're to give advice and um, and with anything, I, I get the feeling that you can give advice to anybody you like, whether or not they t what they do with it, it's up to them. I think the city has um, tried to be more responsive to us. I, I do believe it's the role of the ADA coordinator by rule to pass our feedback to the city clerk. Um, but I would defer to uh, Mr. Hicks or, or Mr. Werner here for process formality if there is something that I've misunderstood or misstated. No, um, you are new, and so I'm sorry. Everybody hear me? I can, but it go. might not be getting out <coughs> easy. So as, uh, as the chair said, this is kind of an issue. Um, trying to get um, projects, policies, and things to you guys uh, for your input. Uh, we had a lot of discussions about this among city staff on how to do that. Uh, we came up with a, uh, an ADA committee that I think Josh uh, chairs. Uh, so we get folks from all the different city departments and basically, you, you know, what do you have that, that can go to the DAC? Um, and so that's how we try to bring things forward. You know, for a while there was nothing coming forward. Um, and I, legitimately, a lot of the members of DAC were reaching out into the community. I'd like to hear about this. I'd like to hear about that. And that caused some problems because sometimes you reach out to those folks. First of all, it takes a lot of city staff time to do that. Right. And also sometimes those folks don't want to make a presentation. So we created this process to try to make sure we get things here. Uh, one of the issues with some of the, the um, projects or things we bring is we need to bring them to you at a meaningful point. Right. So you heard uh, Zuhair mention we're at 60% plans right now. Right. Right. 
Um, I know there's been instances where we present, where we brought something, it's completed, it's done. And, you know, and the frustration from DAC, I completely understand. Why do you want our input? You're done. Uh, and so we're, we're working on that to try to bring him forward at, at meaningful points. Um, the chair's correct. You, you know, you're an advisory body. You provide recommendations. Uh, and I try to make sure when, for example, on public work stuff where a project hits the DAC, that when I get a staff report, uh, one, of the, one of the items on a staff report going to council says commission or committee action. And I make sure, you know, if it went to the DAC, that needs to be mentioned. And, you know, whatever recommendations the DAC may have made comes forward. Whether or not those are taken by council, that's, that's their prerogative. And that's not, and obviously they've got a lot on their plate, you know, getting over into the weeds of everything. I'm... I haven't been here long enough to be concerned about what's coming to us yet, and maybe there are some residual issues over about that. Um, I'm finding that the projects that are coming to us um, are fine, and it, and it sounds like the staff is living, listening to our input. I'm concerned about the situations like Golden One where it's like it's at an impasse, and it's beyond what the staff can go over and do over at this point, and um, how how that can, can, can better get, get communicated without, you know, overwhelming the situation. But I don't think there are that many of those situations coming up. Because I, I, I feel for what the chair is saying, and this isn't a knockover on the staff and what you've been able to do on that, but clearly you've hit an impasse over on it, and it needs to go beyond that point. And the decision that needs to be made is, does it go over to elected officials to go over and deal with? Or do we take a do, do I make the choice since I was the originator of that complaint of taking an activist role over on that particular issue? And um, this is not a knock on what you guys have done. I just want to understand kind of where things have been going. But I have found it very enjoyable hearing um, some of these, uh, the various staff reports, like on the language survey. I thought that was was a, 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 a fruitful discussion. Um, and over on this, um, the Franklin uh, Boulevard plan and some of the other plans that have come up. Yeah, uh, point, just a point of clarity here. Um, you, you know, the point I, I have been trying to make, we, we as commission members on this thing, there's only so much we can do. And my recommendation is if, you know, there are other avenues outside of this commission. But as commissioners, we can't do that. As private citizens, whatever groups we want to join, uh, you know. Complete, speak, completely understood. Well, right. So um, any other comments or questions for today's meeting? Uh, once again, thank you to the city staff for, oh, hang on. I got public comments from the public. Is there any members of the public who wish to talk about anything not on the agenda? Thank you, Chair. I have no speaker slips from those in chambers, and I have no hands raised online. All right. Thank you. Thanks for keeping me on track today with a couple of things. Uh, again, I appreciate the city staff being here as, you know, your day's over, but staying here 
I always appreciate that and I thank you. Thank you to my fellow commissioners for being here. Very lively and vigorous discussion, healthy discussions tonight. So thank you, thank you for being here and thank you for caring. With that, I call this meeting closed. Added items up and we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember exactly. I wrote them down. I'll send you that email in a while.